I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And, you're and we're Jazz Manis. We think we can do anything. Whoa. <laughs> we really do. I'm excited about the title. I'm excited about that. <laughs> the title of this episode is We're Jazz Pianists. We think we can do anything, which is almost certainly true. We, this is going to be, we're, this is just in the psychology of us. Yeah. It was going to be We're Jazz Pianists. We can do anything. <laughs> and then right. at the last we, minute, Peter we, said, maybe we should put a think in parentheses. in parentheses. We think we can do anything. <laughs> That's right. Uh, today, we're talking about one of our favorite subjects. Yeah. Ourselves. <laughs> right, no, right. Jazz pianists in general. And kind of the psychology of what it's like being a pianist. This all stems from... Uh, a brand new documentary that's on Netflix that I'm sure most of you have seen, most of our audience has probably seen. Yeah. It's called American Symphony. It stars uh, John Batiste, an uh, incredible musician, and I want to say former jazz pianist. He's so <laughs> much more than that now. Yeah. He's like this complete uh, uh, ecosystem of talent and music and beauty and light and uh, definitely has roots in what we're doing here today as we're going to show you. But it's just amazing the uh, <laughs> the confidence, the hubris that uh, most people who do what we do have. P Peter, us included, like jazz pianists, we think we can do anything. We're always the first ones to step outside of our comfort zone. In my experience, I'm That's sure right. we're going to push back from drummers and guitarists who are like, "No, we think we can do anything." <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, when you tell a jazz pianist stay in your lane, we're like, "Oh, cool, we've oh, got great. like 18 lanes. We've got we an 18 lane highway." <laughs> no, I was thinking about. As I was watching uh, the American Symphony last night, I was yeah. thinking about how, you know, John Batiste and his, I mean, he's, I was watching the Grammy performance of him uh, singing Freedom at the tw oh, 2022 right. the Grammys. Spectacular. And I was like, spectacular. Is this, a, is this a jazz piano player or is this Prince? Like, I know. it's like the talent is unbelievable. And you think about other folks like you, Peter, starting open studio as a jazz pianist, like the audacity. I didn't dance a lot when I started it, but <laughs> as a CEO though, and then like you know, John, even people like John Williams. We were just talking about John Williams before we started the episode. He's kind of a jazz pianist. He started out yeah. as a jazz pianist. That's right. And he's like, you know, Andre what? Previn just started out as a jazz you know pianist. Like all these folks. So I mean, you can then you can get into Ray like, Charles, Stevie Wonder, Herbie I mean, a lot Hancock, of, yeah, Nat King Cole, like the yeah. audacity. I know of, yeah. of the jazz pianist. No, it's really exciting, and it's so cool to have Jonathan as like he's kind of our current protagonist you know, exemplar yeah. of this idea of like, we all know him as jazz pianist and we're going to actually play, maybe we'll do it at the end a little, that was a little foreshadowing what we did For there, sure. a little bit of OG Jonathan Batiste playing jazz. But like, I think we think of him as a jazz pianist still, but I don't think the world thinks of him as, as that at all. And he's kind of like, he's sort of that, um, I don't know, like, I don't want to overstate it, but He's such a New Orleans musician. Like That's exactly right. You know, like New Orleans musicians know how, and it's not just in jazz, they know how to transcend styles and make it that their, their thing. And by their thing, I mean our thing. The yeah. whole world's thing. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's, it's a, a gift a, to the rest of the It's humanity. a gift yeah. and it's a cultural, um, you know, culturally significant thing unto its own when you talk about New Orleans music. That's as broad and as specific at the same time. And I think that Jonathan is a great among many others. I mean trombone shorty, of course. Well, yeah, Sullivan Fortner, like in like Harry Sullivan, Conic, like Harry Conic, the list goes on and Louis on. Louis Armstrong, that's Whitten what I was going to say. Going like, back, yeah, the people that transcend the music for some reason, there's a a greater percentage that come out of that city, right? But there's that connective tissue of uh, New Orleans in everything that they do. You talk about somebody like Winton or maybe Sullivan Fortner, where yeah. you Sullivan, you would say like he's a jazz pianist, like through and through in terms of what he's doing. But if there's a connection still to that New Orleans thing, that that culture 
Um, and look, New Orleans is not the only place that has culture around the world. There's a lot of places, but the so, way it's so thick, it's there, so though. thick and yeah. it's so well uh, explained in the music and the food and all the things, you know, but anyway, I, I thought the movie was great. The documentary, it I thought it was so interesting. I mean, you don't want to go into that thinking you're going to see a lot of jazz piano playing, which of course I always want to see more of him doing that. Yeah. Um, but I well, thought the story was so, so cool. Yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, there's not a lot of jazz piano playing happening in the documentary. He's, yeah. he's in the middle of writing a symphony. Um, his partner, uh, Sulaika is is going through a serious illness. Who becomes his wife during who the movie? Who becomes a wife during his documentary? Very, and are yeah. we giving away too much? No, not at all. Okay, and uh, which is that that story in its, in itself? Is, it's a tearjerker. It's such it's a beautiful a story. And then you see sort of his rise as he gets nominated for eleven Grammys and wins five. Yeah, and all the while sort of writing this big symphony. Yeah, that is to premiere at Carnegie Hall, um, and it's just it's just interesting to see this you know musician going through all of this all of these things uh and there's so many similarities that i was you know like experiencing as a musician even though it's a different scale what he's dealing with with you know the grammys and all the all these things but like time management is oh, still I a know. thing yeah, you know <laughs> where to where to where to deploy your energies yeah and like that the problem of deciding what to do mental with your health. Energy, your mental health, like while all you're this. dealing with the time, you know, being an artist, being a creator, yeah. being a new husband. Yeah. Oh man, it was a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the most, I think, uh, one of the most interesting parts for me was after he won all the Grammys, and he's there's like a montage of like they're playing audio from obviously social media clips of people just like dogging on him for winning all these Grammys. Right. Some people are like, who is he? Who is That's he? That's not Drake. That's, yeah. <laughs> nobody listens to That's this music. Swift. It sounds like, you know, he's stuck in Pharrell's happy video, all this stuff. Yeah. It's just like so these weird criticisms yeah. that if you ever do anything publicly, you are in, in, in today's day and age where, you know, people can, can comment, you know, have the freedom and the platforms to comment on anything and often do. Yeah. You have to, you have to, this is built in now part of the experience. There's yeah. no sheltered from everybody's thoughts about what you're doing. Yeah. And that in itself is a very weird experience, you right. know, uh, and one that I, I was especially uh, awake to as we were watching the documentary. Well, I mean, when you put yourself out there, even at the, the small level that we do, one thing we learned, you expose yourself to the lovers, the haters and everything in between and just going through the process of having something evaluated that in a that in potentially just a very immediate and trite way like what is he doing like something that you put your heart and soul into or really thought through and like i don't think even as jazz pianists thinking that we can do everything i don't think that any of us um any music any creator right ever thinks that like everything that we do or even anything that we do is so great that it, it has to be embraced by the entire world. It's not gonna be. No, it's not gonna be. Yeah. But it's also like, I think all that we hope and wish for and know that it's in this day and age is probably not gonna happen is that it either be, you know, accepted from kind of from a place that we, you know, it comes from our heart on some level, right? Yeah. Um, like that it be accepted from that or rejected is fine, but to just be dismissed out of hand because of because you want to be heard. Like that's the weird thing about and I can imagine how much Jonathan has to deal with that in terms of like the I mean just from the amount that we get. Oh yeah. You know. No, he it must be incredible. Like when you the more you put yourself out there and the more you try to do something, you know, I think something 
you know, something of meaning, something of depth. And we, you know, we can debate or everyone can have their opinion on it if it, if it resonates with them, which is fine. Like his symphony, yeah. you know, if you're there in Carnegie Hall, if you're watching it, obviously it was resonating with a lot of people there. His performance on the Grammys was like, I mean, people were, they were talking about, this is just, I think Pharrell and like Taylor Swift and them were like up on their feet and not. Billy Eilish. Yeah. Billy Eilish. Yeah. And I mean, Phineas. they were some people that know what they're doing potentially were digging it. Right. It's crazy. His response, though, to that sort of montage of, of everybody saying that was like, you know, so it was something like, you know, this it's not it's not jazz enough for the jazz musicians. It's not <laughs> pop enough for the pop musicians. It's not classical enough for the classical musicians. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. Uh, just be yourself. That's right. And I think that's that's some really wise advice. Another really poignant thing that that he had said um at, during his one of his Grammy acceptance speeches, which they featured in the documentary, which hit home for me too, which I thought was a, a great insight. And I want to get to what makes jazz pianists so uh, <laughs> cocky AF. Cocky AF. But uh, but no, I the, think it's more optimistic than copy, cocky. It is. We'll get to that. What, Caleb, what did you call it? It wasn't hubris. hubris. I think it was it? hubris. When I started pop pop pop, he said <laughs> Caleb was like. <laughs> it stuck with me. That's why. That's why it means something. Caleb, Caleb was like whatever me, it was. I wish I'd never said it. He was like the arrogance. No um, arrogance. <laughs> but, it wasn't arrogance, but uh, anyway, no, no. As when he, when John Vazis was accepting, you, he, cavalier. 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 I think that is the perfect adjective, for and a not lot the of Cleveland jazz cavalier kind. No, no, a no, different no. Kind. Um, Cavalier, Monsieur Cavalier. But when he talked about his, when he was accepting the Grammy, he talked about art and music, and yeah. and how his, how music is a spiritual practice for yeah. him. That resonated with me too, and I think framing music as not something to achieve yeah. and not an identity to to hold on to, but as a spiritual practice oh. of something that helps connect you to other human beings and to God or whatever it is that you think is beyond ex- explanation or or the mystery of the universe, yeah. that the blanket is over, whatever it is that that means to you, or, or if, even if it's just the cosmos. Yeah. Music is somehow this weirdly undefinable, mysterious connection to that, and the deeper you get into it, the more it does feel like a genuine spiritual practice, and that's why, in fact, it's so tied to so many religious practices, because it's so helpful in those to, to speak on the, the unknown in those terms. You know? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, we always, you know, it, such a great point, spiritual, it really is, and like, that's the place that, so we're seen as sort of being caval- uh, cavalier, cavalier. Or so having this to say, we're, we've got to use this word more often. Well, it's Kill, like people, Kill, brilliant word, <laughs> yeah, cavalier. No, but I'm like saying that's what we're supposed to be doing yeah. when we write music, when yeah. we play a solo, when we practice. Like this is a spiritual practice, and that was my thing about the comments and stuff. Like you don't just like religion, you don't have to agree with it or love it, but I think it should be respected. You know what I mean? Like like to just be like out of hand comment, like this is stupid, or how come this is like that's like saying a, re- a religion. Maybe you don't understand it. Maybe it's not for you. That's fine. Uh, and we're not saying that I'm not saying that jazz is a religion. No, no, no. But spiritual spirituality, which every human experiences, I think it, the world has a way of stamping that out of us if we're not careful. Yeah. I mean, think about all the different things you know in the beautiful things in school that you learn to connect you with spiritual things. But then the the other things that you can't do that, you should do this. The world needs you to be this profession. So study. You know, like there's a lot of things that can take you off that spiritual well, mark. I mean, if we want to be perfectly transparent here, Peter, you know, here at Open Studio where we are a business, you know, I think we are always walking line and struggle with like, I think spiritual, the spiritual practice of music can get stamped out with trying to sell things to people yes. or whatever. And so we're very, I feel like you and I specifically, we talk about, we have a lot of conversations about these kinds of things, but about like the tone of of what of what you're doing is if you're a business selling things to people, 
but trying to hold on to the magic of that unknown thing, right? In that, like, there's no pill there's no pill that's gonna like solve all your problems for anything yeah and especially with music right there needs to be a practice with it that is connected to the unknown and that's you think about the best music you've ever heard the music that connects with you there's no good reason why it does yeah it's just it's it is an unknown thing yeah that ultimately it is i mean you could definitely try to explain it away and i love this groove and this whatever but why does it hit you so hard why does it why does it tweak something in you and to me, that's like the the fine line that uh, you've got to walk if you're living in our current setup of, of systems. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it can easily stamp out that important gift that we have. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, it was it was shown a bunch in the doc documentary. Jonathan has a great ability to tap into that spirituality of music, that optimistic, that joyful, you know, a lot of it's the New Orleans thing. Yeah. But I mean, it's also like he's really embraced that connection. I mean, we talk about jazz pianists, we can do anything. Like he's a great example of it from the standpoint of yeah. like, what's the one thing we can't do as jazz pianists? That he's even overcome that. And you have too, which is like Get marching, out of your seat. Get out of your seat, Mike. So he's got the melodica. Like know. you know well, what I mean? My, my like that's parts, the one thing physically holding us down. When he's on the subway. He's got the melodica. He's, you know, when they show the origins of his band, he's playing melodica stay with human. Stay Human and they're on subways and everything. Yeah. And he's getting really shit on by everybody at Juilliard yeah. for playing some crappy kids instrument, you right. know, when you should be taking this seriously. And I was like, man, he is taking it seriously. He's trying to get out there and be himself. Right. And that's a serious practice. You know what I mean? Just doing what other people tell you to do is foolish. Right. Uh, but he seemed like he had awareness of that or at least a vision on that from a very early age. Now, you can not like the melodica. That's fine. But like, you can't not love that spirit and then they show later there's a mural at Juilliard right. with, him with a melodica I know, and he's I know. like this is well you know and crazy. I wonder um like this is why it was such a great reminder to me I'm gonna kind of put this out there because I think somebody might need to hear this it's it out there is it me are you talking to me no no, no I'm not talking <laughs> somebody out there in a podcast because I, I mean I learned so much stuff from people being honest in a discussion but they kind of showed like the struggle that he had at Juilliard as being a really interesting part of his story, which I think was true. I mean, it, it you know, it's Hollywood or whatever. They might amplify it a little bit or, or put it of to course, the forefront. It's be heightened. They, they, they may highlight a little bit, but I think that it's interesting because I remember Jonathan and his father in particular coming to me and some other, you know, older musicians. Or I wasn't that old then, that much older. But like, I remember him coming and saying, like asking for my advice about where he should go to school. You were probably his age now. Yeah, exactly. No, I was younger, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but they were asking specifically about Juilliard, and Jonathan was very. This is when he was at, at at Noka. I wasn't teaching there anymore, but he would still, you know, come by. Or I'd see him. He'd come to gigs or whatever, and was very much uh, asking about Juilliard. It's like I know you went to Juilliard. How do I get in? I really want to go. And like I never tell somebody go there, don't go there. This is good for you. This is bad for you. But I was a little bit discouraging of it. I definitely wasn't like, stay away from that. But I just felt like for him, and I told some other really good young players, I didn't recommend. I was like, first of all, when I was there, there was no jazz apartment and the jazz apartment's new. But I'm just like, I know how that machine of Juilliard is. And yeah. I know that things, like you have to overcome some stuff if you want to really be a free spirit in terms of music. It can be great for some people. It yeah. It can be really, really helpful. If you're going right down yeah. the path. Yeah. And you're in there and you're going to make those connections and you want to do, totally. th- you want to be part of that machine, just like any place, yeah. right? But it's it's elite level, so it can be even more damaging or great. Like the highs are great and the lows are low. That's it right. either spits you out on the, the bottom or at the top. And so I was kind of like, 
I just didn't feel like he needed that. But I mean, he was very much like, I want to go to New York or whatever. I was like, oh. And so I remember thinking, I remember the first time I saw him up there, we were doing a gig at Lincoln Center and he came like backstage or something. And there was a young singer that I kind of knew too that was going there. And they were both kind of, they weren't like struggling, but they were like anytime you're trying to find your way and, and things. And I remember thinking like, oh, I hope this works out. Well, apparently it did. Mm -hmm. But it's just to say that like, sometimes like what we can't predict, especially helping a younger musician or something, we can't keep them away from different struggles, but we also can't predict what that's going to do. Yeah. And so when we, it's not a cop out to say like you got to find your own path or anything. Uh, but it's also like, I mean, he ended up graduating from Juilliard and getting his master's there. Yeah, I mean, not out. that he needed that to go on the Colbert show, yeah. but the whole thing worked out and he wrote this piece. And of course it worked out and then there's struggles still. And there's, you know, if you ask him, would he do it again? Who knows? But it's a journey, you know, it's a journey. And I think that Jonathan has done a great job. And, and I mean, you know, to get this back to pianists, I think what we're good at as pianists in, is organizing. Like we we need we need all the musicians. You know what I mean? It's never. I mean, yes, we can do some things solo piano, just like guitarists can do, just like a trumpet can do. But I think that a lot of pianists are very good at attuning ourselves to that spirit of the music and like how do we organize things? And that's why it's like, can you do this arrangement? Yes, you know, we're optimistic. We've got these different skills to be able to do these things. Yeah. And we take that responsibility pretty seriously. Yeah, I think it all starts, if we wanna get, just real quickly, if we wanna get down to the micro level, I actually think the reason why pianists have this cavalier attitude is some skills that are developed yeah. just literally by the physicality of the instrument. The fact that each note is represented with one button and it's all laid out and you mm. can see it before you hear it. Yeah. Thank you. Gotcha. You could see it before you hear it. So Nothing like it's not an inside like, joke nobody knows. <laughs> so so obviously the guitar, there's multiple ways to play one note. Yeah. For a saxophone even, there's multiple plays to one note. Yeah. The trumpet has just three buttons right. i don't know there's a great there's um, a combination there's of a them, great uh, comedian named pete holmes that has a very hilarious bit on the trumpet that i'm going to show at the end okay um but with the piano you can see everything each note is represented by one key yeah and i think that does something over time to our brains in the way that we're able to see and hear and structure music that's yep. why we're often tapped to do arrangements or orchestrations for things Obviously, we can play all the harmony. You know, we can like more. We have more ability to play harmony than any other instrument. Right. Guitar and vibes, of course, can play harmony, but not. They can't play this. Right. Guitar can't play that very well. Thank God. And not easily. Right. You know, and a vibes player can't play this. Right. Ever heard Warren Wolf? <laughs> he he <did> Warren <laughs> might be able to, but there's there's just limitations yep. that the piano doesn't have as far as harmony. I think just that literal practical physicality of how the instrument yeah. is laid out. Over time, it sort of everything in the physical world molds our our internal world. Yeah, you know, for better or for worse. And I think whatever this is physically, it it molds our internal way of processing music. That pianists get the the cavalier attitude that we can go ahead and handle a lot of a lot of a lot of different scenarios. Yeah, and I think it's it's part of the role. I think there's a reason why. You know, personalities are drawn to different instruments. It's the reason right. why there's a bass player personality, there's a singer personality, yep. there's a drummer personality, and oh, all, I know. <laughs> but I think they're all they all revolve around the actual physical experience of of it's a big of part of the it. music. You totally. Know? Well, and don't you think too? Just the fact that the piano it's not the only instrument, but it's kind of the main one that we're in a lot of times. Like it's stationary, so like every it's it's natural for people to gather around us. You know like you come over to the piano because we can't move our instrument over there. Also, um, I think the skills 
that so there's the physical layout of the keyboard uh, nice thank you yeah <laughs> the the actual skills that we're learning to become better pianists are things that lend themselves to arranging and composing and like kind of thinking about structures beyond just our instrument and then some of the things we don't necessarily have to learn are not that important for those skills anyway like intonation uh, we don't really deal with that with piano we might be able to hear it but that's so like you know like lyrics just these different things sound production yes of course that's important the piano but not in the same way it is for a saxophone or a cello or a trumpet so um yeah i mean we i think we're molded around the instrument as much as the instrument is molded around us and uh, it's interesting stuff. You're over there looking for something. I can I'm tell. looking for this. Pete You're Holmes in Google Land, clip. man. And sorry, that was because I've got a good clip too. That was me on the on the what? You want me to play my clip? Oh, yeah. my, play, my clip's the one clip. we're doing play going out. Clip. My clip's my clip's the one we're. <laughs> if you made it this far, um... congratulations. You can really do anything. <laughs> this you can like... really do anything if you made it. No, this what far. I was gonna play was, um, and you can tell me if you think it should be on the way going out. Is a little Jonathan Baptiste as a jazz pianist, straight and straight. But you see the glimmers of really his personality, and I think a lot of the other stuff that he's gotten into. And this is from 2009, playing with none other than the great Roy Hargrove. Should we do that now, or Let's you got something it. else? No, you got it. Okay, here we go. So this is, boom, boom. That's Jonathan Baptiste when he's like 23, 24 years old with Roy Hargrove. Montez Coleman at the drums. The late, great. The late, great Montez Coleman. Huh. out. City. Like that lens flare? Uh. A little glimmer of future stardom there, wouldn't you say? Agreed. I mean, Roy gave him the stage, so there's that too. Should we say you'll hear it? Till next time? Hold on. I want to play this clip. I want to play this oh. clip. I don't have, <laughs> It's so hard to find this for some reason. 
right, this is my this is my Pete Holmes clip okay. about it's playing about playing the trumpet, and okay. I can just do audio. Super apologies, everybody. This is the year that I would like to understand the trumpet. <laughs> I don't want to play it. I just want to get it. <laughs> Listen to me now. Three buttons. Excuse me. <laughs> Three buttons, and it plays all the notes. <laughs> Fuck's going on. <laughs> I want answers. Sometimes they're pushing two, sometimes they're pushing none. That doesn't add up to 12, I checked. <laughs> I like a more straightforward brass instrument, like saxophone. He's got no secrets. You'll hear it. <laughs> 